Well, here we go, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I'm um, watching you on the restream. Of course, we're setting up on the clubhouse as well, where we will take calls. Look at that hip outfit. Yeah, this is uh, my oh, Christmas wow. present from Susan. And so uh, I am wearing it today, and I love it. I know. And so uh, I was wearing it on a another podcast. I think you'd like these guys, Susan. It was, uh, I think I remember the name. It was Dope as Something. Something as Dope. Dope as Yola, Dope is Yola podcast. <laughs> and um, really interesting guy, an interesting uh, podcast. And we'll may perhaps get him on the stream here coming up. He and they a, liked your di your your uh, cool digs. He didn't notice them. And, we, <laughs> and, and uh, we will, he has a very dedicated 18 to 24 sort of age group. Uh, Andrew Ashkazvili in the house. I see you there, uh, friend. Uh, but more importantly, let's bring our guest in, Kelly Victory. I think you all know Kelly. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Let's talk about our friends at Hydrolyte. I can't say enough about Hydrolyte. You hear me talk about them all the time. It gets me through workouts and medical procedures and colonoscopies and COVID. It absolutely contributed to my recovery from COVID. Hydration is key to feeling healthy, and there's never been a time when that could be more important. We're in the height of cold flu season. Every headache has got you testing for COVID. Staying hydrated can keep the questionable symptoms at bay, and there's nothing better than Hydrolyte to get it done. Taking their hydration formula one step further, now there is Hydrolyte Plus Immunity. It starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients. Plus, each single-serve, easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-pour powder sticks that rapidly dissolve in water to make a great-tasting drink that is a 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink. It uses all-natural flavors. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew. That is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash Dr. Drew. And be sure to use that code Dr. Drew 25 at checkout for a special discount. Kelly Tell us a little more about a, Kelly. A regular on this program. Let me, uh, oh, wait a minute. I've lost all the data on Kelly. Kelly, you here? Come on in. I am. I'm here. There, I need I'm not to seeing Kelly for some reason. Just, there you <laughs> there are. Good to see you again. Uh, and you, you had told me just a few minutes yeah. ago you're going down to Denver and seeing patients. Is that outpatient medical practice? You do an ER work. What are you doing now? Yeah, yeah. I have a concierge practice now down in Denver. Um, I spend most of my time teaching and speaking and doing public health things, uh, but I do see patients regularly, uh, multiple times a month, uh, and have treated hundreds of uh, COVID patients during this pandemic on top of it. Yes, and so, uh, so have I now uh, treated very, very many. And it's been a very interesting experience. There, there is something mm -hmm. I've and Kelly's been... also had us kicked off uh, 
You too, more than any other guest. Well, well are, uh, there's somebody Steve else. Kirsch, there's somebody else uh, waiting in the, in oh, the on Dr. the side Zelenko, here. Excuse me. Yeah, Steve, Steve Kirsch is waiting to come These on. These are all so famous we're gonna, names. We're going to try for a double whammy. See if we can get Kelly and Steve in here and see if that what that does we're for us. We're going to call him Kelly and Steve though. We're not going to use your last names too many times. It might, you might just explode. The whole thing may just explode. I know, the algorithm will be like the hatchet will be falling. Exactly. Well, so uh, uh, there's there is a well, there's a lot of things. So let's let's talk about how the, this all has changed. First, let's talk about how the observations that you predicted came true, and let's review which ones did come true. Cloth masks, for instance. I was very outspoken from the very beginning about the fallacy of masks stopping the spread of a respiratory virus. Um, and this is stuff that's, you know, wasn't just my opinion, Drew. It wasn't uh, my crystal ball guess. It was based on uh, decades and decades and decades of literature and experience with previous respiratory viruses. Uh, but when I said it, and I said it openly and very publicly early on, I was lambasted in the lay press. I was censored. I was ultimately kicked off of Twitter and I got the stamp of misinformation out there. Now there's some vindication uh, to almost two years later now that people like Rochelle Walensky from the CDC has come out and said, turns out cloth masks are nothing more than, quote, face decoration, her term, not mine. Um, so there's some vindication there. Um, I also talked about the fallacy of social distancing and the fact that we would never be able to stop the spread of a respiratory virus by doing that. And we know from reams and reams of real world data that that's the fact. Uh, finally, Brown University did a study proving that there was no difference between six feet and 60 feet. So once again, it was vindicated with a large study. I talked about the fact that it was very predictable, and this doesn't make me anti-vaccine, but it was very predictable that these vaccines would not actually stop you from contracting COVID. That was met with unbelievable derision. Um, I was absolutely vilified for making that statement, and I still am today for saying the truth. Well, so which let, is let's, that stop. The vaccines, let's stop there, because yeah. that, that's... Okay. Plenty for us to unpack there. So let's start with the unpack. I think, okay. I think Fauci okay. kind of whispered that once or twice, but he didn't like make it clear about vaccines not preventing. Right, that it was. Well, let's let's you and stop I us from dying again. The, Kelly and I don't agree on everything, but we usually can reach sort of an interesting consensus on things. How, how would you define vaccine therapy? Vac a vaccination? Because that's where people are getting weird from the get go. Because uh, I have a specific well, yeah, thing that I call a vaccine. Well, let's talk about the reality of what you and I were both taught in medical school and what was always the standard, Drew, until literally this year. A vaccine was always defined uh, previously as an immunotherapy that protected you by, by making you immune to the pathogen itself, meaning you would not so contract let me, let me stop. the pathogen. Let me stop. Let me stop. That, that, of course, was the goal of vaccine therapy. But what would you right. call BCG for, for tuberculosis? That was a vaccine therapy, well, BCG, right, bacillus therapy. Correct. And we right? know that, they, that no vaccine is 100%. But they, no vaccine was 100%. But the, the definition of the vaccine was a therapy that imbued immunity to the individual who yep. took it Im from the illness. Right. <clears throat> okay, here's where we're going to agree. You would not so immunity, 
broadly understood. And so, so when when I when I think about you know vaccine therapies, I think about something that stimulates. See, I consider the BCG to be an immune ther- to be a vaccine. It's a it's an, a vaccination mm-hmm. against doesn't work, but it's an attempt to stimulate the immune system to fight off a pathogen. So to me, I have a broader Mm -hmm. concept, which is anything that activates my immune system gives me a B cell response, an antibody response, and a T cell memory, and it helps fight off infection. That's all I want. Because, I mean, people break through the shingles vaccine, for goodness sakes. I mean, you know, things, nothing is perfect. It has breakthroughs. All right, so we're, we're sort of in agreement there. So we're sort of saying the same but, thing, except you would you would say make, that make, immunity. You would have a higher standard for immunity than I would. Well, but then yes, but then they clearly changed the definition very late in the game here. Within the past couple of months, they changed the definition. If you actually go on the World Health Organization's website or the CDC's website, they changed the decades-old definition on their websites to now saying that it is a therapy that decreases your risk of severe illness from something. Mm. That is a gross change from what it has been. And what Susan pointed out is not insignificant. There was a change in the narrative. And the reason it's important to me, Drew, is because the emergency use authorization for the vaccines was predicated on on two things. To get an EUA for a vaccine, They had to submit, number one, that they believed based on their preliminary studies that it would be effective, and number two, that there were no alternatives. But effective (laughs) at what? And what they submitted in their EUA applications was, we are submitting that we have reason to believe this will be effective in stopping people from contracting the virus. When that didn't Mm -hmm. work, they simply changed it and said, oh, no, no, that's not what we said. We said it's going to be effective at keeping you out of the hospital, effective at keeping you from dying. Well, that's not what they said when they submitted the EUA. When they submitted the but, EUA, but, they said it would be effective at keeping you from getting the virus. And that's what you said was bogus and turned out to be bogus. Indeed. I did. And, and I, I, did. And I, I sort of, I, I wasn't sure, but I'm not surprised. Um, I, I'm sort of surprised on the time course. I, I really think this thing wears off a little faster than we realize, and th- I'm kind of worried about that. But so so be it. Well, I think that, course, again, no I, th- I think that was pretty, I think that was predictable based on the way it was pre- because, and, and again, the reason I, I, this wasn't a you know a, a crystal ball guess on my part. The reason I had said it was going to fail, Drew, was because these vaccines are made so differently from others. And I'm not talking about the mRNA component. I'm talking about simply the fact that they are specifically honed in on a singular spike protein. And given the nature of viruses to mutate and the nature of coronaviruses that are particularly adept at it, it was predictable in my mind that these viruses would mutate very quickly and the antibodies that were produced by the vaccines would be essentially useless. Are, are you of the opinion that that natural immunity is more efficacious and long lasting? Oh, there's no question that it is, because when you develop natural immunity, you don't just develop antibodies to a singular spike protein. You develop antibodies to thousands of epitopes, thousands of, of components mm-hmm. on the outside of that virus. So the virus would have to mutate massively in order for my antibodies not to recognize that virus, because it's not, I don't have antibodies simply to that singular spike protein. 
so there's no question that and, natural and, immunity, and, yet, and we know this from. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and yet uh, I had alpha, I had bad alpha, I had sustained immunity, and yet Omicron did get around it. I, I, I did, I got Omicron. So it, it came, well, you know, uh, well, relative. Well, that was a year ago. Well, that's but interestingly, point. Drew, and we know we know now from the large Copenhagen, you know, the study out of the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, as well as study out of Iceland, the UK, and Israel, now are all showing negative efficacy from the vaccines. And again, this doesn't make me—I'll uh, explain what that means. It doesn't make me anti-vaccine, but people like yourself who had COVID went on and got vaccinated seem to have mm -hmm. a higher risk of coming down with Omicron than had you not been vaccinated at all. Okay. People who well, had I was vaccinated. I, was, I, I got J&J, &J, uh, to be fair. The, the, Copen yeah. the Copenhagen study shows 3.6 times higher risk of getting coming down with Omicron if you were vaccinated. So there seems to be a That's suppression of your innate immune system and those people who have hmm. gotten vaccinated. And yet, though, I've seen a lot. I mean, in California, it's a shit show right now. I've seen a lot of Omicron. And it's pretty, I mean, it's very apparent the difference between the unvaccinated, the double vaccinated a year ago, and the recently boosted. They're, they're different populations when it comes to the Omicron. Uh, the, the, the triple right. boosted, the triple of are having a cold. I mean, they really are not having much else. Now, how long right. that but boost lasts, I don't know. Yeah, they're getting. And so if you look at Israel, you know, Israel, for example, is the only country that is now four shots into it. They're the only four times vaccinated country on the planet. Plus, they have a mask mandate and a vaccine passport requirement. And they hit a global record yesterday for the highest number of COVID cases per capita on a, in a particular day. So four shots in, and they hit the global record. They just got the brass ring uh, for the most number of COVID cases for exactly this reason, yeah. because people are vaccinated but are coming down with Omicron. But but again, if it's a cold, who really cares? I, I don't know. This is, a, this is the part I'm struggling with right now, if we can make it a cold. Now, there's another layer to this that, that I want to get into. It felt into. more like having the flu after having a flu shot. It so felt you're like, like it felt you like just a post, got like a bad cough and you felt it felt like a tired vaccine kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And again, yeah. and again, I agree with you. I think I, I agree with you. The good news is, Drew, that Omicron being as mild as it is, most people who get it, frankly, vaccinated or not, are having very, very mild symptoms. So don't get me wrong. And I get, get no take no glee in the idea that someone's vaccinated and comes down with Omicron anyway. I don't, you know, truly, I don't want anyone to come down with it. But the reality is now that it is irrefutable that the vaccines <laughs> don't prevent you from contracting it and they don't prevent you from spreading it, my singular issue is that there is simply no scientific rationale for discriminating between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated now. It, there just isn't a justification for saying, for by, example- By discriminating, what do you mean discriminating? What do you mean discriminating? Not allowing them to work. They're not allowing them to work mm. or not allowing them to, I don't know, play in a tennis tournament. Um, or, you know, mm -hmm. not allowing them to, to, you know, forcing them, I spoke last night to a, a group of about 25 healthcare professionals from a uh, a community hospital that will remain nameless. Uh, and these are all doctors, nurses, techs who are unvaccinated. 
and who are being discriminated against by the hospital because the hospital's policy is that if you are unvaccinated, you need to submit to twice weekly testing. Now, what is a possible justification for requiring only the unvaccinated people to get a Q-tip shoved up their nose twice a week when the vaccinated people we know are also at risk for contracting and spreading COVID? It's punitive. Is That's it, why. It is, is it purely or, or, punitive. I agree. Uh, agree. Uh, however, if the there would be one reason I could think of them doing it, and that would be the hospital doesn't want the liability of somebody getting very ill without pressing the issue, without saying they've done whatever they could to prevent right. it. And I've, and I've seen Omicron make people very, like they very die. sick. I've seen some bad stuff. But yes, but can't people, say, but people oh, have the right to tell them. But, but are, are they, they do have the right to refuse, the yes. Do yeah. they have the obligation no, to, to make obese, you know, obese employees lose weight or right. smoking employees stop smoking or people with right. multiple sexual right. partners stop doing that? No, they don't. And so yeah. this is punitive. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. Um, and it doesn't yeah. it has no scientific basis now that we know that the vaccines do not stop you from contracting COVID. So, yeah, it's sort of a false sense of security. Like, like everybody got the vaccine goes, oh, great. Now I can go out and I'll never get COVID. And then they got it and they're like, well, why did I get the vaccine? Well, right. it, it's, it's, com right. it's complicated. Let's all agree that. No, it is. But, but let me, there's a bigger problem. But like there. we go to dinner and they ask you for the vaccine, proof of vaccine, but they don't go, do you have COVID? Like they didn't say, hey, have you had COVID <laughs> in the last 14 days? And, it's and like, in fact, yeah, Susan, in fact, in California, Unvaccinated healthcare workers in many places cannot go to work, but vaccinated healthcare workers who test positive for COVID can go to work. No lie. So, yeah, yeah it doesn't true. make you can't sense. Make no, I know up. that's true. You can't make. No, I know yeah. you cannot true. make that, this up. How yeah. in oh, the, oh, in California, in I got a whole. I got a whole menu of things that I say that about that you can't make up. That's just one of them, my <laughs> I mean, friend. But, but what alternate universe is common that sense, sense anymore? It's not common sense. Yeah, I know. No, but that's we flatten the curve. No. Let's like you know live our true. lives and stop. So, so hold each on. Other. So, so here's where I'm picking having a uh, all that. I this is all interesting. I don't disagree with it. We're we're sort of finding common ground and all this. And I'm going to bring Steve in in just a second because I. Uh oh. Yeah. And Steve, when I bring you in, you are, oh, not, you are not to level. get us kicked off YouTube, my friend. You can't use certain you words and you have to be very yeah, careful. Yeah, we super careful. Um, but here's the scandal from my perspective right now. We have excellent therapeutics now. We have molnupiravir. We have Paxlovid. We have monoclonal antibodies. Now you could argue Citrovimab's the only one working for the Omicron. All right, fine. You can't get any of this in California. I don't know what it's like in Colorado. You can't get it. We had an excellent call yesterday. Keith got it for his grandmother. He had to drive an hour outside of Sacramento. One pharmacy had eight doses. By the time he got there, there was one left. And this is a scandal. This is you. The, the vaccine conversation could be tabled if we had access to therapeutics. Am I on to anything? And, and you just. Yes, you just hit the nail on the head. And this is the dirty little secret. If you want my personal opinion on this, Drew, they are slow walking. As long as it doesn't get me, hold on, as long as it doesn't get me kicked off YouTube. So slow down. That's <laughs> all right. We have three okay. strikes coming. We, it's been a while. <laughs> Go ahead. We're going to, we're throwing. The reality is this. It gets, comes back to that EUA. Right now, the vaccines are only being used under an EUA. 
they need to get them fully FDA approved and get them furthermore on the children's vaccine schedule before they make these other drugs available. Because as I said, two things are required to have an EUA for the vaccine. And one of them is that there are no other therapeutics available. Once Paxlovid, Malnupiravir, and all these things become readily available, the EUA is in jeopardy and they know it, which is why they are absolutely wedded to getting full FDA approval and getting these and not these vaccines on the childhood vaccine program before they make those medications wildly available. That's why. Well, I don't know, because they already have other therapeutics that are effective available. They just are. They aren't available the way they should be if they were responsibly distributing the medication, but it's out there. So the EUA is already kind of under attack. Well, well, and again, it's been sleight of hand because they changed what they called efficacy. They changed it from, you know, uh, being effective at keeping (laughs) you from contracting the virus to effective in keeping you from dying from it. Uh, As we all know, they've suppressed drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin from the beginning. Um, You know, interestingly, a little tidbit about uh, malnupiravir, one of my favorite uh, things about that I don't think you and I have talked about, malnupiravir. Mm. is Merck's new drug. Um, Merck, Mm -hmm. you you may recall, was the original uh, creator and manufacturer of ivermectin back in the day before ivermectin was off uh, patent and was wild, you know, was available as a generic. Um, And, you know, the mainstream media has lambasted those of us who talked about that drug, ivermectin, because it's a, quote, veterinary drug. We're actually not allowed to, we're not, you have to say the I word. We literally can't say it here and stay on YouTube. Okay, so well, keep going. Well, the I okay. word, yes. Okay, so the I word, you know, uh, you aren't supposed to use because it was created for use in, in horses. Um, well, guess what Merck developed malnupiravir for? I'll give you one guess. Don't know? Equine horses? encephalitis. Malnupiravir oh, was well, developed that's in people, to treat though. In equine, people. Equine Horse encephalitis. Equ- we equine encephalitis is endemic. It's in, but equine encephalitis yeah, no, de- is endemic in Southern California. It, it, it's to treat horse encephalitis in horses in 2014. When it didn't work well in horses, they now have re, you know, they they've surfaced it again, and it turns out, and it may have. I don't know if it will end up having effectiveness against COVID. I don't think anybody does. It's a nucleoside analog, which is a, a scary. Um, class of drugs because it works by inserting a copying error into the genetic code so that the virus inserts a copying error and therefore can't replicate. The problem is that nucleoside analogs are associated with a lot of things like birth defects and the development of cancers because of that copying error. So uh, the jury's out in my mind on malnupiravir. Paxlovid is a is a retroviral drug that looks like it could be promising. It's much more similar to three the medicines. retrovirals that we use for, for HIV. For HIV and AIDS. It's three different medicines, so it's yeah. it's also going to prevent yeah. the, uh, the resistance. Yeah. A, yeah. Um, I, we have we have endemic equine encephalitis in the summers here. It's mosquito borne in people. Comes out every once in a while, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at treatments for it. And uh, it doesn't really mention anything. I haven't seen it in a long time. 
We had if you a, actually, yeah, if you actually, Eastern. if you read, if you read up about, yeah, East, if you read up about Molnupiravir and how it was developed, um, it was developed mm. for use. And it, again, and my point being this, we have many, many, many medications that cross over between the veterinary world and the human world. That's my point. Uh, there are many drugs. Um, you know, I have a lot of animals and it's very frequent for me to be using identical human medications in my animals, whether it's dogs, cats, horses, or cattle. Um, it varies, lots of drugs have crossover. So I just found it amusing that the eye drug was um, sort of tarred and feathered as a drug that was uh, created for use in animals um, when molnupiravir was as well. <laughs> well, the other thing is uh, ivermectin on the CDC, the I word on the CDC website is <laughs> required, required for refugees from most countries, if you if you look at the right. list of countries, it's really like, it's like about 30 different countries, you are required the moment you hit U.S. soil to take a week of the I-word medication <laughs> if you have set foot on this soil here. That's the CDC's own website, yes. not the not the horse version, the human version. And I used to no, exactly. I used to treat uh, I used to work on uh, El Salvadorian refugees and things back back in the when there was a lot of immigration up here from Central America. We use it all the time. It was. It was like exactly. Anyway, whatever. All right. Exactly. Let me. So my. So back, my, to, your, back my, to your point, which is about. The, I was going to say back to your point, point, which is that you're, you're, you're that 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 you're that there are lots of of therapeutics that are out there, and yes. and I really just think we should be focusing more on those. Yes, 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 and yes, and, and I'm going to bring Steve in now. Steve, you can unmute yourself. I think you're already up here with us. Um, and do small, mon ami. Do small, mon ami, if s'il vous plaît. Uh, wow. so, so anything, any reaction to our conversation so far? Um, Kelly sounds like the kind of doctor that I would love to have as my doctor. Yeah, yes, you would. I'm sure you would. Yeah. That, that, that is my impression. She seems to really know what she's talking about. Yes. I, I <laughs> applaud her for that. What, what about, um, what, about before you go on, what about our, this concern? I, I know that to be true about Kelly. So you, you may just be learning that, but that's that your impressions are accurate. But what about this scandal of lack of distribution of therapeutics? To me, they've given it, they've given it all to a few pharmacies. I don't understand which pharmacies and why, and to so-called community health centers. I don't even know what that is. And our federal government has bought hundreds of thousands of doses of life-saving medicine and handed it, it sort of vaporized. Do you, Steve, see that as scandalous as I do? Um, so, yeah, of course. Um, but, of course, I'm not a big fan of these uh, these new drugs that were hastily approved by the FDA, right. uh, either one of them, uh, when we have sort of proven treatments that have drugs that have been around for a long time where we understand the long-term consequences of them. But you're correct in terms of, like, I, I was talking to uh, someone who's a, uh, she's well-known, she wanted to have her identity remain uh, a secret. So I won't reveal who she is, but she's she's high up there. She, she sits in on the um, the CDC meetings and the FDA meetings and so forth. And she was telling me off the record, like she didn't want her name being used uh, until she goes public on this because she doesn't want to get shot down. Um, she says that what they're doing is criminal 
Uh, and she was referring to just the monoclonals. In terms right, of the distribution, the mono, in terms of the distribution. Yeah, that the, mono, the monoclonals yeah. were being withheld. Yeah. So she's same like, thing, the exact, she's it's like, the exact she, same policy with Paxlovid. They, they're following the exact same sort of pattern with both. And, and by the way, it's the same way they rolled out the vaccine. This is not new. Uh, when I tried to get the vaccine, I couldn't get it for this exact same distribution sort of philosophy. And that's how I got COVID the first time, running around trying to get the vaccine. But Steve, answer me this without, um, well, let me ask this first. Are you guys both aware of that? You must be that woman that is suing St. Mary's Hospital or something. She was a physician, uh, COVID treatment. You guys are familiar with this story? I know an awful lot of physicians who are who are suing hospitals, but I don't know the individual you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I'll get her. No, I, I don't know it either. All right. Because Mary Tally Bowden, Mary Tally Bowden, because I don't disagree. I don't agree with everything she's doing, but I do. I agree in the strongest terms with the position that she's taking in terms of trying to restore medicine back to the patients and the doctors. I, I feel like that that has gone way out into some other zone now where hospitals are dictating what doctors do. The CDC is dictating what doctors do. Mm -hmm. This is not medical practice. I don't recognize the practice of medicine anymore. I, I we we when, when people are mandating and shaming people for not getting certain treatments, I just just let's just mention Joe Rogan as one case. Who nobody should have an opinion about what Joe does with his doctor. That's between him and his doctor. Those two make the decision, the doctor and the patient. And the thought that mobs of people feel they're entitled to have an opinion about that is disgusting to me. Steve. Well, of course, you're right. <laughs> there's there's no question. This is, I mean, we're we're seeing all sorts of precedents here that we've never seen before. You go to into a pharmacy. You ask for ivermectin. Do, don't please. Yeah. We're going to get kicked off if we use oh, that no, word. Sorry, sorry. I word. Sorry. I word medicine. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> whoops. Whoops. It's gone. Whoops. We're off. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I. Sorry about that. Uh, I. I guess I need to write you a check for the whole cost <laughs> revenue. Sounds good to um, me. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So. So you know there are physicians who have been who have been prescribing certain drugs, yeah. and then they find that the pharmacists suddenly no longer will fill yeah. those drugs that they filled before, and then they get a letter from the uh, attorney of the doctor, and then all of a sudden they start to fill the prescription. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, it's really but they're scared. They're scared just the way physicians are scared. I listen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. And and I want access to medicines that I know work. I know you're you're worried about side effects and things. I the other day had a young man who was getting very sick very fast and clearly was going to end up in the ICU. Couldn't get anything for him, and it's 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 crazy what's happening right now. And, and this is I I don't know what to do about it. I assume it's going to improve when they start increasing the supply, I, but I. You know, and I understand what you guys are saying about, you know, using, re repurposing things. I still use lots of fluvoxamine, my friend. I still use lots of it. And I hear people talking about it now as in a as a proven treatment, finally. I hear people talking about it and wondering why it's not be used more often. But it's, it's you know, the guy that I'm talking about that got super sick was on fluvoxamine. And, and I could see it going, I could see the direction it was going. But I wanted some other things. I could not get them.
that is, I don't know what to, I, Kelly, can you think of any yeah. other time in the practice of medicine that we've been in this situation in America? Can you, have you ever been in this position? Maybe for a brief periods of time, certain antibiotics become difficult to get. What do you, what do you say? Oh, Kelly's frozen. Uh, <laughs> she, wow. I was wondering why she looks so Sorry. nice. <laughs> Was it something I said? It might be Steve. Yes, it could be Steve. It might, might have well, been that 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 word that I shouldn't yes. have said. She'll but be back. I'll let you answer that, Steve. Because uh, well, let me put it this. Let me ask this a more broad question V-Mix. for you, which is you're you, you like you said. You know, you come from tech. You're an entrepreneur. You really hadn't been involved in the medical space until you decided to dig in, and now you started looking at the way the FDA does business. But ha- have you looked at all about at medicine? And are you surprised what's happening to medicine the way those of us that have practiced for thirty years are surprised? Um, yes, um, in both sense. The people who have been practicing medicine have been surprised by how regimented things are. So mm-hmm. it used to be that doctors were allowed to doctor. Mm-hmm. And now it's doctors are basically told follow orders from whatever the CDC and the NIH say. And if you don't, uh, you will be fired. Well, and Kelly, I mean, it is but but fired is already a, a new new zone for me for doctors. Fired is already like what? Fired from what? Oh, oh, but, sorry. Yeah. Well, you lose your license. Yeah. too. Yeah. But, no, but Kelly, exactly. may ask me this. Wait, wait, I'll, I'll let you answer that also. But but the fact is that to me, this all started with hospitals mandating clinical pathways. And then once they mandated clinical pathways, they had physician extenders just follow the clinical pathways. So this is sort of the natural extensions of hospitals determining care top to bottom for patients. I, I I agree with you. It started with that, which clearly was financially motivated. Let's let's you know call it what it is. They wanted to make sure that physicians were not unnecessarily, quote unquote, using medications or treatment protocols that the hospital deemed were too expensive. This was about, yeah, this is about rationing care. Now, fast forward to COVID. Um, This is unprecedented in my career in medicine and certainly in public health that we have pharmacists and public health officials and politicians getting involved in the sacrosanct relationship between a patient and his or her physician. Uh, If people think, for example, that there's widespread consensus uh, on most of medicine, you're wrong. There's no consensus uh, amongst all doctors on when to initiate statin therapy for someone who's got high cholesterol or whether postmenopausal women should be on hormone replacement (laughs) or how, how often you should get a prostate exam. Yet no one gets, you know, we all read the same studies. We all read the Mm -hmm. literature and some of us come to different conclusions. Yet all of Mm -hmm. a sudden with COVID, you either had to stick to this narrative or you were absolutely shut down. It is reminiscent, honestly, Drew, of nothing. And this is not hyperbole. It is reminiscent of what happened during the Cultural Revolution uh, in China in the 1960s, where Mao you know, systematically attempted to silence anyone who is perceived as an uh, opposition. And many, many scientists, physicians, teachers uh, were executed or otherwise summarily dismissed. And it's no different from what's happening today. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of lay people, and you see it all over social media, including <laughs> just my talking about coming on with you today, uh, people have no tolerance for what we should be having, which is this robust, Dialogue. respectful, vigorous debate about things. That's how we come to the best decisions in medicine. 
Although, Steve, we went there. We went all the way to Maoism. What say you? <laughs> well, you know, um, it's it's it is frightening the uh, the shutdown here and the you know centralized control. And there's no questioning. You're not allowed to question right. uh, what the orders are from above. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is hospital administrators who are setting these policies and telling the physicians what's to what to do. It's not actually the physicians that are making right. these policies. The physicians that I've talked to have all said, "Hey." It's the administrators uh, who are telling us what to do, and we have to follow the orders. Otherwise, we lose our, our hospital privileges or we get reported and have our license taken away. And the sad thing is that there's no debate here. There's no questioning. You're not allowed to question authority anymore, mm -hmm. right? You have you have a, a president of of, uh, of this you know big you know leader of the free world, right? Um, uh, and he's he's got he's got a censorship list, like. Tell me right. in when in history has a president of the United States had a disinformation dozen censorship list of mm -hmm. of those who shall not be heard from? I mean, that's right. ridiculous. McCarthy and then, era. Yeah, it was done by uh -oh. the other side. She's right. the the uh, the uh, The right did it in the fifties. And by, by the president? Well, uh, censorship? Was, yeah. Administration, right? Yeah, the FBI. I mean, I mean the point, the the point you, is it, you, yeah, you, it's different, it, it, but it, it, it's, it's a, been done, and it's been. It, and we all agreed that was a horrible thing. No, it wasn't we good. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. terrible. Right, right. Yeah. That, well, yeah, and but this, times, this isn't one in... Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, times change. Go ahead. Okay, who's yeah, going Steve, first? Steve, you and I are in real time, and Kelly has a slightly little uh, uh, delay. delay yeah. So you have to kind of, back, if she starts talking, just kind of back down. So go ahead, Kelly. I was going to say, you know, what we talked about early on is the reality. Things change. It was just a year and a half ago that I was kicked off Twitter for saying that cloth masks don't work. Uh, okay. Turns yeah. out that was true. That that is the case. If you're not willing to tolerate or consider or have the debate, uh, you know, we have a lot of questions in medicine that don't have answers. We shouldn't have answers that can't be questioned. Uh, it it right. really sends you down right. a very, very bad path. Steve, have you made touch base yet with uh, Vinay Prasad? Do you know who that uh, yeah. Yes, I know who Vinay is. I have respect for uh, for him because he's actually, you know, he tells the truth about stuff. He he he, <laughs> he doesn't tell I, the whole truth. Yeah, well, but, no, but, no, I will tell I, I you. Mean, he doesn't know the whole he, truth. None of us know the whole truth. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's humble yeah, yeah. about that. Yeah, and, yeah. But, but what, what what he says is right, right? Yeah, like you know, I've seen him do the myocarditis uh, study and yeah. say, hey, you know, these guys did it mm -hmm. right, and uh, the other study basically didn't look at all of the, the cases here. And, um, you know, I, so I, I have a lot of, uh, re uh respect for he, him. He, I will oh, tell you, way, I will tell you, he, he, um, I, I was a fan of his well before COVID hit. He had a, he had a web, he had a, a podcast I used to listen to and, uh, he would just review oncological literature. And I just thought this guy can read the literature. He understands mm -hmm. it. He understands the landscape. He can penetrate it. And so I, and, and so you can rely on him to, see the weaknesses in you know the science he he's, he actually right. knows science he's a he's a scientific mind and so i really recommend people listen to him watch him and he's lately been on the war path a bit particularly about masks in children uh <laughs> somewhat into vaccine in children territory a bit too 
But in terms of just, you know, sort of trying to optimize things, maybe delay the second shot because that reduces the risk of myocarditis. Vaccine, you know, only country in the world that masks under age five is us. And what are, and for what end, as Kelly always points out, this is a respiratory virus that just does what it does. And by the way, we take the mask off and sit in a restaurant and eat like, Right, like walking across the room with the masks magically made that made it work. That's my favorite it's just part. Such it's like you dig in your purse at the door. Okay, let me put my mask on. You walk three feet, and then you pull your mask off and sit right. down. And, like, and, and the thing to me that, that do? the thing to me that's astonishing about all this is that it's worldwide. I mean, I get we're crazy right. in this country. I, I understand that. But the fact that the entire world has gone berserk in the exact somebody's same laughing way, their ass off somewhere. Well, I'm let's look sure. at the places. <laughs> Look but, at the places that haven't, though, Drew. If you look at places like Sweden that didn't ever have mask mandates, with other than for a first couple of weeks, they did away Finland with that. They didn't. Them. They didn't shut down their their schools. They did. They did fine. All of the Scandinavian countries, Finland, Sweden, Norway, all of them have put a moratorium on vaccines for anybody <laughs> under the age of thirty. Okay, what is it that they know and are willing to look at that we absolutely are not only willing to look at? but may not speak about, can't discuss, can't debate here in the yeah. United States that all of Scandinavia has figured out. And by the way, and Steve, you'll like this one. I, I'm so, I'm somewhat sympathetic to this, which is they're, they're trying to limit Moderna in under 15. I'm sure you have an opinion about that. That's good. Well, <laughs> yeah. You, uh, am I even allowed to comment on that? Or are we still no, I'll probably YouTube? agree with you. <laughs> you can if just I agree. agree with you, it's you, okay. You can talk. <laughs> okay, so you can talk. Susan says yes. Okay. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, certainly um, my position is that looking at the data that the vaccines would not be safe for that age group. Um, so, <laughs> and I don't think I could say anything more without your being uh, yeah. censored. Well, Moderna, now, if Moderna, a parent but, wants but, to give it to their son, son or daughter under 15, go ahead. If the child wants it, if you want it, yeah, if you think that's sure. okay, talk that. to and, your pediatrician. And the pediatrician, they do it together. But yeah. to mandate it is... And, well, and I think... Moderna I, particularly well, has got some problems. Well, well I, have, I have issues the other way around, uh, too. Um, but, but certainly to mandate it is, is absolutely insane. You're talking about kids who just basically never get sick. And if you're looking at the risk-benefit analysis, Dr. Toby Rogers did a risk-benefit analysis on age 5 to 11, for example, and he found that we, we kill 117 kids for every kid that we might save from COVID. So right. it, it's, it's absolutely stupid to, to say we're going to mandate this. I mean, that's, that's basically said that is basically killing people. Well, and they were well, not see, alone it, in mandating. Australia's mandating. France is mandating. I mean, there's lots of mandates. And then the kid that we gets are, COVID anyway. So. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, because the, they, they, follow, they follow our lead just like they followed our lead on, on masking. And Kelly is absolutely right on masking. Cloth masks, you know, there are only two randomized trials that were done for COVID and masks. And uh, so there, the two trials, are one, one was done in Denmark. And the other one was done in Bangladesh. And both of them showed right. that, that these the cloth masks and the surgical masks do absolutely nothing. Nothing. To, you know, like the Bangladesh study was, was amazing. I mean, we, right. we, we requested the, the data set on that. And it's identical for the no mask versus a, a, 
a purple, I think it was a purple cloth mask. Yeah, if I remember, right. you're right. That's true. We're on top but of it, each other. But I, it, if I re- what I find amusing about the Denmark study, I haven't talked about this in a while, but there was great anticipation because finally we're going to get a high-quality randomized control study. And then when it didn't show anything, no one would publish it. And finally, Annals of right. Internal Medicine published it. And it did show, a, it seemed to be fair, it showed a 20% effect. And no, the, no, 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 Drew, they changed, they no. changed the result. They, they, they couldn't get it published. This was a BMJ article uh, op-ed about this uh, where they said, hey, you know, it, it showed negative. Nobody would publish it, so they they required them to change the study so that the results would would be um, support the narrative. I mean, you're looking at the corruption of, of science here, big time. Everybody knows that cloth masks don't work. Everybody knows that surgical masks don't work. The only thing that really works is a P100 uh, respirator, which I just bought for myself. And believe me, nobody's going to want to wear that. I mean, you will have riots in the streets if, if they try to mandate but, people but Steve, wearing these here, here's a, respirators. Yes, I agree with you about the distortion of science, and Kelly has said it in no uncertain terms that the discourse around science has been adulterated. But why is your world, why is the tech world the, the perpetrator of so much of this? What's going on up there? Well, true. The reason <laughs> for this, um, and, and I've talked to some people who know stuff that I don't know, uh, is that that Jack Dorsey gets a secret phone call from the government saying, Mr. Dorsey, uh, for the national interest, we need Twitter to um, make sure that you crush any misinformation. Will you do that for us, sir? And he says, yes, sir, I want to be a good, loyal citizen. And so these people are being instructed what to do by the government. And so they're all suppressing it because their CEOs are being good guys and listening to these this, these voices aren't these, uh, from the government. Aren't these the guys that want to be autonomous and independent and thinking this for This is the basis of and, our uh, lawsuit. This is the basis of our lawsuit, uh, the class action lawsuit against these guys, Drew. It's exactly that mm. collusion, and that's what it is, Steve. Well, you have a, you have a witness now government. for it. You, you can. This is why you can quote the today's today's stream. You have a witness in yes. Steve Kerr, and, and this is exactly this is exactly the basis of the class action oh lawsuit my. because the federal government cannot collude with a quote private company to do that which it is not legal for it to do itself. In other words, censor American citizens, and there's no question that this has been going on. Jen Psaki stood up and said it herself uh, at the podium. She said, "We are working with." Facebook and Twitter to identify those people who are spreading misinformation. Uh, so when the federal government is now trying to use these social media platforms as the strong arm uh, to exact this type of censorship, it's not constitutional and it's not legal. And I, I hope your uh, attorneys are listening to today's show. Steve, uh, thank you. I'm going to let you go. I got to take a few more calls. Are you a- any closing comment? I got to stop for a little break too. I'll give you a last word and thank you for, uh, um, and thank you hey, for controlling yourself today. You've been, this has been your best outing, as a matter of fact. This has been yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we like it when so, you don't yell at us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Um, so I, I had a question for Kelly. On the 6 to 60 study, you mentioned that was Brown. I think it was MIT and it was done in April. Is that 
Is that correct? It, 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 I think it was MIT who did it. The six feet versus 60. I think it was MIT. Um, you're correct. I knew it okay. was somebody out there in the East Coast. You're correct. And what I was going to say about the cloth masks is, incidentally, Duke University did a study that looks to make to uh, make the argument that cloth masks actually make it worse. Uh, the Duke University study done in August of 2020 looked at cloth masks and showed that they actually took large respiratory droplets and ended up aerosolizing them into zillions yeah, of smaller droplets that therefore spread further. That. So not only do they it, not yeah. work, they actually make it worse. You are likely to spread more. If you go back about a, a year, if you go back about a year and a half on these streams, you'll see me interviewing a woman who is an environmental engineer who was making that point 18 months ago. She was mm -hmm. very concerned about that. She's actually worried about it with the yeah. surgical mask too. But all right, we got to take a little break here. Steve Kirsch, thank you. I'm going to put you on hold or send you back to the the audience. And uh, we'll be back with Kelly Victory and your calls right after this. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show anytime over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I have ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best. Whether you're doing video conferencing, podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the Blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue mics, and once you try one, you will never go back. Trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com blue. That is drdrew.com slash B-L-U-E. And we are back with our friend Kelly Victory, a master's of public health from Harvard University, as well as an ER and a primary care doctor. Susan, you want to talk about these things before I go back? My little Kelly? mini you, our little mini you. Everybody needs to get their uh, bobblehead. <laughs> this is Susan's of project, Dr. Kelly. got to send one to Do Kelly. Do not tell your husband about I this. I want Kelly to put one on her bookshelf behind her. Okay. And the, yeah, we'll, that would go right, right Kelly. next to Yorick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> go Alas, to drdrew.com well. drdrew.com exactly. shop and um great just in time for valentine's day uh and uh <laughs> remind you of the book that my daughter and i wrote uh, it doesn't have to be awkward to caleb if, I, I know i'm springing this on you but if you could throw that <laughs> out there also we didn't prepare him or anything and uh there it is Thank oh my so daughter's much. calling me right at this moment Isn't that's that a coincidence right here's me talking about it. Yeah, and Kelly, I, I found myself obsessed with this material. This is another book I'm watching. This is old Gustave Le Bon talking about the behavior of crowds. And he was he was under attack for many years. I, I always thought it was an interesting book, but I noticed for about 10 years under attack. If you read it now, it is uncanny how accurate yeah. it is to the present moment. And he's talking about the French Revolution in the 19th century. He's trying to understand what happened. And he, lots of injunctions, like if you don't think this can happen, it can, be careful. We group think, right. and, and he, he made an interesting point. He says it can go good also. You can have people really gather together for good. It's possible, but it's unusual. <laughs> it doesn't happen. No, I, often. And yeah, usually it's, I, it's bad in the name of thinking you're doing good, but go ahead, Kelly. No, I think I've spent a lot of time uh, talking about this idea of mass formation psychosis, which is actually mm -hmm. sort of the new version of mob mentality. Um, we've always mm -hmm. known that the mob has the potential to do and act in ways, generally negative, generally bad ways, uh, that 
in ways that an individual by themselves would not act. Uh, people get the anonymity of the mob and therefore are able to act uh, with impunity against others. Uh, social media, I think, has only made that worse because there's so much anonymity. Uh, you and I happen to be out there on social media with our actual names. I use this very punchy name at Dr. <coughs> Kelly Victory. People know exactly who I am, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, Gypsy Skittle State or some, you know, some made up name where you, you they have the you know anonymity behind them and therefore feel that they can say things that are just vile uh, because they're not tied to the individual. When you then act that out in the mass way, I mean, let's face it, we saw it in Germany during the Third Reich. It's what happened during the, the war and the atrocities against the Jews when people were able to identify, coalesce against a villain uh, or who they were led to mm -hmm. believe was the particular villain. Um, and here during COVID, it began with us coalescing around the idea of a virus, uh, a microscopic, you know, invisible foe. But very quickly, the narrative was changed uh, to drive a wedge and make it an us versus them, whether it was mask wearers versus non-mask wearers, people who are pro-lockdown versus not pro-lockdown, vaccinated versus non-vaccinated. Um, and it's a very dangerous place to be. Um, there's no question yeah, that it can I be agree. turned for good. But in general, that's not the way these things go. That's that's his point. Very much so. I, I also I want to I want to introduce you to Keith. Keith is still here. Good. Uh, who was the gentleman I mentioned that went on the pursuit of Paxlovid? Hi, Keith. Welcome back. Greetings. Like, sounds like he's landing a yeah airplane coming in so what's going Sorry on do you have that. an update for us just wanted to say mom-in-law is doing great on day four of her paxlovid regimen for her covid by the way she's not my grandma how dare you drew oh no no i said mother-in-law i said mother-in-law <laughs> i heard grandma earlier oh, no. but that's cool we okay. forgive you um her name is janice she loved the show yesterday she says hi right no more fever, no more headache, no more sore throat, so, no more, no more runny nose. So tell it again to how you figured out where to go. Cause I still, I, mm. I, even I couldn't stay with your, your, your tail. So you first went to the CDC, you went to which website? Uh, I followed a link in an NPR article to uh, healthdata.gov, mm. which has the national uh, distribution of the therapeutics. It included Paxlovid as well as uh, Saprovimab and uh, the, uh, the other. The other, my yeah. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I was able to crunch some data and figure out where all it got distributed to. But I have to say that was not how I found the medicine uh, <laughs> to be able to fill mother-in-law's prescription. What I had was a hint from her doctor. You might check this town about an hour away from us. Oh, I heard one of my patients got it filled. Right. There. I forgot about that piece. What, mm -hmm. and what's your, what was your mother-in-law's name again? Say it. Her name's Janice, Janice. Like Janice Joplin so, with the S. So uh, Janice, I just want to uh, say hi to her and I'm glad you're feeling better, but, uh, you have quite a son-in-law there. So congratulations on that. Uh, I, 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 I want, we should be using him as a, uh, advocate for patient therapeutics. I mean, there may be, oh my goodness. How crazy. I, would How? To, I would love to help you drew draw attention to and resolve this bungled distribution of COVID therapeutics in California. 
I would really love to okay. do that. Find out, I mean, find how, out what they mean by community health centers. I still don't know what that means. Really, well, that was my term based on what some of the titles were. I think uh, Dr. Kelly's trying to go ahead, say Kelly. Something. Yeah. Well, I just was going to say, you know, good for you, Keith. You know, first of all, why should you have to be super sleuth in order to get I access know. to medications? To treat yeah. this, I mean, you know, good for you for for being able to do that. But everyone shouldn't have to have their own personal sort of healthcare zealot <laughs> who's out there, you know, That's exactly what I was that. saying yesterday, Doctor Doctor yep. Victory. Yep. Yeah, nobody crazy. should have to have a son-in-law who's willing to drive an hour into the foothills and have the secret knock and handshake to be able to right. to get the medicine, almost like it's uh, you know contraband. Yeah, back alley drug deal. Yeah, and instead of free COVID tests, send us the treatment for it. We all need a free, no like three pills in our in our glove box. Well, you know? that's correct, but we're nowhere near that. But be that as it, it may, be more sensible. And let us know too, also if she develops any side effects, because we, you know, I Kelly and and Steve are not uh, fans of the the novel or the new. Right, I heard. Yeah, you heard them, and I'm very much. That's always the way I practice. Once wait, I understand wait, wait, something, I, okay, I'm going I, to. I, but 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 let me I, again. That's not. It's that's not really not a fair assessment. Okay, I don't want to I'm characterize you wrong. Go ahead. No, it's not. It's not that I'm not a fan of it. It's that I prefer to have more safety data. Uh, I am all about innovation in healthcare. Um, but I think I, I that we it. we need to, to put the time into it, particularly so, so, when there know, are other yeah. options. You know what's interesting, Kelly, is one of the things this whole experience did to me was made me look at my own biases and and sort of uh, mm -hmm. preferences, I guess you'd call it. And one of my biases is I have an optimism bias. I, I want people mm -hmm. to be, I want to be, people to be optimistic. I, the, when people get panicky and negative, I, I, I don't want any of it. I want to keep doing, and, and I, that's how I get in trouble. Right. So that's one way. And the other thing I do is I, I look across my career and when you get, I think this may be a, a, a phenomenon from my years in the psychiatric hospital. Psych meds, when there are advances, they jump on them. They they start using them right, right. away because, mm -hmm. you know, because there's not our, our you know our pharmacotherapies aren't that great many times. And so when there's an advance, we start applying them right away. So I've had a bias throughout my career of I kind of jump on stuff when it comes out if if I read the literature and I think I can understand it and I think I don't I don't anticipate down the road trouble. I will do that. That's my bias. And I bet your bias is different. I bet you're more cautious with stuff. It, it, well, I, I think it's it, it's a different bias for sure. Number one, I certainly take the ad, you know, the adage uh, or the dictum, uh, first do no harm, very, very careful, you know, um, because yes. I think that we can end up giving somebody something with a lack of safety data behind it and then regret that. Of course. Um, but as an, as an emergency, as a, as a trauma specialist, I'm sort of the opposite. I assume the worst. My job is to assume that this person's going to die. Uh, my job is to assume that this is a really bad thing that's about to happen uh, and then prove myself wrong. So I always have to assume yeah. that the drug is going to have the worst possible side effects. And until I have yeah. a, enough safety data behind it, and again, um, when it comes same thing, that's my viewpoint about the vaccines. I'm not anti-vaccine. I just would like to see the 36-month, 48-month safety data behind these yeah. before yeah. I start suggesting, for example, that children, you know, five-year-olds and 11-year-olds who have essentially a zero risk from COVID um, start experimenting with these vaccines. So I just want more safety data behind it uh, before I'm foisting it on the public. 
and 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 let's be clear we're not i mean zero we're we're speaking hyperbolically and of course omicron there's been a little bump up in pediatric cases but it's still a very small very rare phenomenon that a child ends up yes. in the hospital uh but it, i mean not that it they'll does report happen. it they'll make sure we all know about it everybody has to know so <laughs> but, we all go but, oh no oh no yeah and it's interesting uh, kelly that even though i have this sort of aggressive posture of using new therapeutics I'm always prepared to blame medication for everything <laughs> that happens to a patient. Yeah. That's my always well, my first go-to. Patients on meds and sick, got to be the meds. Well, here's let me throw this out there. And I was talking about this with a group of healthcare practitioners. I said I spoke to last night. Uh, if you want, if I were at the helm or I had a chance to speak with uh, Anthony Fauci or somebody else who's really um, pushing the vaccines uh, initiative hard, I would say if you want to get everyone vaccinated in the United States. You know, one huge step that would do that if you wanted to get 100% of people vaccinated, drop the liability protection. Tell the vaccine manufacturers, if you are saying these are safe and effective, you wanna stand by, they're safe, they're safe, remove the liability protection. Tell people if you have an adverse event, we'll pay you the millions of dollars. And you know what, Drew, they won't do it. And that should make people question. If somebody's going to tell you, I guarantee you this is safe. It's absolutely safe. I don't want to have any liability, but I promise you it's safe. That doesn't pass the sniff test. It just doesn't. Jennifer, I'm trying to bring you up to the uh, podium here. Jennifer Wild, uh, <clears throat> her handle there is Sober Exposure. So thanks, Marriott, for all the super chats. Oh, yeah, Marriott, I've been trying to pay attention to you as you go by there. Thank you. We for appreciate that. it. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get the money, but we appreciate <laughs> it. Jennifer's going to come up. So, oh, wait, wait, wait. There she is. Hi, you guys. I'm so sorry. Quite Hi. all right. What's going That's on there? Pleasure. Pleasure's ours. Hi, you guys. We are good. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored. And actually, Dr. Drew, I met you in Miami at a radio station because I'm an ex radio personality. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed you in the hall and I was like, a, I was like stalking you. This was God knows was over, say, over 12 years ago. I, I, I thought I remembered your name. That's why I was like, I think I know Jennifer. So, okay, well, good to see you again. Yeah, yes. Yes. Good to see you too. We, we spoke and I was like struggling and I have a podcast now that um, is about recovery and this is totally off subject of what you guys were talking about, but I'm just really curious because I don't know where you stand with this Yeah, and I don't know if it's even appropriate um, for this room, Go ahead. but where, where is where do you stand with all the uh, psychedelics and recovery now oh. and the microdosing with the mushrooms um, yeah. and all of that? Uh, I, uh, I, I I take a sort of a simple attitude, and let me I'm going to modify mm -hmm. it as I as I take it. My simple position is: we don't know yet. We have we do not have data for that. We have data really on one psychedelic, and that is on ecstasy in the setting of complex trauma in good hands. It works. We know that. Everything else, we do not have the science now. So I can't make any recommendation around that. I do believe there will be more breakthroughs with psychedelics. I do believe that things will come. But until then, the risks are vastly higher than the rewards, as far as I can tell. And I've seen lots of problems, believe me, across my career. I've seen more than you can imagine. So that right. scares me on one hand. Uh, on the other, and but let me just say one caveat under that, which is that I have seen people 
go down, really desperate people, people who have failed everything with complex personality problems and Which trauma. is me, pretty much. I'll be candid, me. <laughs> well, you, I don't know. But anyway, okay. But I've seen them go down and do ayahuasca and other things and have a positive right. result. I, I've seen that happen. I've also seen people have no result, bad result, temporary result, personality changes, mood changes. I've seen lots of adverse stuff happen. So again, I can't recommend it in any you know, real way yet. So that's my basic position. We don't know, cool. but, but I'm uh, yeah, expecting breakthroughs. Where you stood. Expecting breakthroughs. Yeah. I, mean, I, I I'm feel not like it. anyone's asking for my opinion, but I see it as really, you know, something that could be great for the future, but got to be careful when it's in an addict's hands. Oh boy. Because we, we tend to not use things th therapeutically. Hence when I got my beautiful facelift, the Percocet, you know what I'm saying? So yes. it could be great, but what it, in the right hands. Thank you so much. All right, Jennifer. I'm definitely not complete, but I'm done speaking. Okay. <laughs> thank you for coming up. Appreciate it. I had some coding today. Yeah. She, I had you're a, proud of yourself? I had a laser treatment on my chest, <laughs> and they gave me... They gave me... Um, She's high on it right now, evidently. No, I took a nap. I'm fine now. Uh, but, oh, man, I could be an addict. Big, I felt so good. Big, I was texting everybody. Oh I was boy. happy. Oh, and, boy. And I thought, this is great. That is not what you call a good sign. Big, and then I got... But then I got no, home and exactly. I got really tired and had to take a nap. So I said, nah, I don't want to be a drug Okay, addict. big hurt. Big hurt. What's going on? Dr. Drew, thank yes, you. Uh, you listened bet. to you for many years, and uh, thanks for having me on. You bet. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, the disparity and the discrepancy between um, how big blue cities and blue states um, and red states and cities have handled the various restrictions and mandates. I mean, I, I live in Seattle and um, it's been pretty restrictive and pretty, <laughs> it's been a tough two years, put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I just wanted to get your, your take on what's the, what's the explanation between how they can think that the, the virus doesn't cross borders. I mean, you know, it, with 45 other states with no mask mandate, what what is the what is the impetus for keeping this going? What's the end game for these blue states? I, and and let me just tell you that uh, a friend of mine, I did a I did a nightly news broadcast locally here in Los Angeles with a guy named Alex Michelson, a very smart uh, journalist, and I just saw him. I gave him a rash. Of, well, I didn't give. Him, I supported him. Uh, talking to Mark Galley, who's the head of the California Public mm -hmm. Health Service here. And he was like, what are the criteria? What are you doing? What is the end point? Right, right. No, no right. answer. No There's answer. no answer. There's no answer. And that's <laughs> not medicine. And I, when I saw him doing that, I thought, oh, this guy, I don't think he's ever practiced medicine. He, he, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what this is or no, what guides his decision-making. But Kelly, go ahead. That's exactly right. No, that's exactly the point. And you're pointing out we have real world data from the United States. We can look. We don't need models right now. We have real world data that will prove whether or not masking, social distancing, lockdowns, you know, limitations on the capacity at bars and restaurants is going to make any difference whatsoever. And the reality, although people don't want to acknowledge it, is that those mitigation schemes have not worked. We know the places with the most restrictions have not done better than the places that have no restrictions. You know, we know that California right. and the north you know, and the northeast has done abysmally compared to places like Texas or Tennessee, uh, you know, or Florida that largely did away with those mandates. We know the same thing from around the globe. We just were talking about places like Sweden that didn't lock down, didn't have mask mandates, didn't close their schools, and incidentally, didn't leave a smoldering crater where their economies used to be.
Right. And, and Drew and Drew talks about the cognitive dissonance of, me, of, of it all. It's like, what? How can mm-hmm. they? How can they? Again, with all, with forty five other states in America, you know, not having that mandate, do they? Do they really? think that the, that the virus just stops at the border of Washington and California and Oregon. Like, I don't understand how they can keep it going based on like the I, geography. I, I would, I would be generous to say that they're just very cautious and trying to do their best to help people. Were, it, were, were it not, is your name hurt? Is that actually your name or what is your name? Uh, Jason. Jason. Were it not Jason for the level of, atrocious, disgusting incompetence that they displayed along the way, not in letting people go outdoors, cementing over playgrounds and putting soldering metal bars on basketball courts, not letting people on horse trails, closing beaches, police tape tape on the beaches. And then when they open the beaches, you can go up, but you can't lie down. You can't lie down. You have to stand up. That is disgusting incompetence. We should be calling it out. It has been a, it has been an absolute display of abject incompetence all the way. Were it not for that, I could be generous to them and say, they're just trying to help. (laughs) They're just doing their thing. They don't know. They do know. And they've been incompetent all the way. And I can't understand why people don't call that out. And it's, I don't know about Washington, but but in California, it's been, it's been uh, just disgusting. Through Washington, ahead. Washington is just as bad, if not worse, than California. I mean, it's we we have some of the strictest mandates. I mean, our governor has again, right. like you said, no. There's no timetable for ending this. Like it's and 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 you see people, like you said, about the, the lying down on the beach. We see I see people routinely here walking around outside uh, with their masks on. That's so, weird. Know, oh yeah, yards. Oh, yeah, yeah I, see, I see that now too. We, I, I, Susan, land of Susan went out. She wanted me to join her for lunch on Sunday, and I went out there and. Everybody outside had N95s out. Outside, I thought I can't be. This is this is this this is weird. (laughs) I don't want to be around this. These people are making me angry. They're outdoors, walking in the bright open spaces where the virus does not transmit. And then they give you that. You know what? You know what this is. (laughs) It was too much. Drew, Drew, what I? Yes, no, Drew. What I? What I like this too. Go ahead, Kelly, and then I'll get Jason. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay. You like it? What I was going to say is this is, this is, I liken it to a baby in swaddling. You know how an infant, you wrap (laughs) it very, very tightly in swaddling. It no longer has use of its own arms and legs. It no longer has any autonomy, yet it feels secure. Masks, social distancing, all of it has become swaddling for the masses. It's very, very dangerous. People have all of a sudden feel better. They feel they like having the masks. We have people here advocating for them in Colorado saying, please, we really think we still need mask mandates. I'm asking for them to come back. They want the swaddling. And, and by the way, did you see these college kids mandating more masks, more lockdowns? Like mm-hmm. you, you, you're, you're I mean. triple vaxxed. You're triple yep. vaxxed. You're going to be fine. What have we, it's, what have we done to these kids? Go ahead, uh, Jason. Drew, it's this weird, it's this weird mix of, of, uh, virtue signaling. And they just want, they, mm-hmm. they like, mm-hmm. like Adam and you, you and Adam have talked about this many times. People, they just, what is attractive about being told what to do by the government? Yeah, I don't understand that. I can't, and by, I'm even, I'm even more mystified by people who want to be in the government and tell people how to live their lives. 
That's even right. more mystifying to me. I, I that would be so uncomfortable to me to, to be telling people how they should live. You know, mandating behavior is where I. And by the way, no science for me to base it on. I just sort of capricious. Right. Don't lie down on the beach. I don't want to see you lying down on the beach. You know, and and by the way, the reporters out there walk watching people individually walking around on the beach, going, "And what do we do if they lie down? What do we do? There are people they have to on go the beach." Tell them to stand up, you journalist. You should examine the reporting you did back then too. You you were equally duplicitous, and of it course you were tough. you were a big part of the whole mess. I mean, that I and that how I got myself in trouble was telling people not to listen to the press. Don't get panicked. I missed the infectivity. I missed the cytokine storm. And for that, I apologize, but I was absolutely right about the panic. It was, it is the thing right. that the press Correct. brought upon us that is causing unbelievable amount of harm to Americans. Unbelievable. So, so Drew, one last, one last comment that I'll let you go. So uh, how would you compare this to like the hysterias that we've seen in the past with like the satanic panic in the eighties, yeah. the even the, even like the yeah. Salem witch trials. Like what's I, how do you compare I'm holding up a book, hysteria? my friend. I'm holding up a book. I suggest you read it. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. called The Crowd: A Study of the Popular Mind by Gustave Le Bon. Get the author on it, here. The author has been dead for 150 oh, years. Never mind. It was it was originally. <laughs> you can tell I haven't read it. Let me see when I think it has. I think he wrote it in the 19th century. So maybe not. Maybe he's. Let me see. When did he write it originally? Uh, it certainly sounds like he's writing in the 19th century. Yeah, when I, I, read I think it. it's in the public. He's domain trying to figure out yeah. there's like 15 different cover versions of it. So I think yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. it's like the 1820 so or something. You tried to figure. He was trying to figure out what happened during the French gener French Revolution, and uh, he, you'll be stunned. You'll be stunned on how uh, familiar what he's talking Parallels. about is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll be stunned. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I can't get enough of it. History precedes itself. H humans are humans, and we behave certain ways in certain conditions. I, you know, he why. You know, why now and what led us here? And people just pay attention to your own participation in all this. I I, I keep asking myself. I mean, I want to think that everybody in Pasadena who has a mask on, and I'm telling you, everybody on the street had one on, um, hasn't had COVID. If if that's the truth, I'll be I'll be shocked. Because Omicron no, I think, every city. Yeah. Oh, I don't, Susan, I don't think there are people who, that, who haven't had uh, COVID. I think people have just been lulled into this belief that somehow they are protected from something. I was watching the other day yeah. uh, a newscast out of New York yeah. where it would, apparently it was pretty cold and they're all wearing these N95 now. And as they're wearing their N95s, I'm watching the vapor Huffing around the their faces. I actually <laughs> love saying in New York. Not, are you not tying? Connect the dots, people. Connect the dots. I like the mask the in New York because it keeps your face warm. Let's say that again. So what she saw was was the breath, steam, the steam so. coming out around the mask, so which like floats a... over to the other person. <laughs> it's like, exactly. that's of course saying, what's happening with these you, things. You aren't breathing oh, through true. the mask. You're breathing over the top, around the sides. And I'm watching all of these New Yorkers bustling down the, the road, you know, in that's these really very funny. cold temperatures going, connect the dots, people, connect the dots, please. I can't get them yeah. any closer. And, and Kelly, <laughs> we've not yet discussed the uh, the, ten uh. the tennis star, his name I always keep screwing up. Um, who is Novak Djokovic. Djokovic. Yeah. What, what is your Novak Djokovic. That? Well, I yeah. think it's absolutely insane. This is the this is the reality. Novak Djokovic has already had COVID. He can prove it. He has positive mm -hmm. antibodies. Mm -hmm. So he's unvaccinated. And they have kicked him out. They've revoked his <laughs> visa. He was first in lockdown. He's essentially put on house arrest. They took his visa 
and his uh, his passport and his wallet um, and kept him in a hotel while they debated this out. They have now summarily dismissed him. They've thrown him out of the country because he's not vaccinated. First of all, tennis, by its very definition, you're socially distanced. It's not like, you know, he wasn't wrestling. He wasn't up close and personal with somebody. Uh, By its very nature, tennis is one of those games where you're not in somebody else's face. But the reality is this. It defies the logic. We know that vaccinated or not, and it is irrefutable. You can get COVID and you can spread it. There is no difference Mm -hmm. in the amount of virus in your nose and throats, whether you're vaccinated or not when you get COVID. We know that from the big study out of UC Davis. I'm I'm going to push back a little bit on that and say I'm of the opinion that correct about the viral, viral density but I really feel like the people who are vaccinated produce virus for a shorter period of time. So there is a temporal benefit to being vaccinated, well, been, whether it's worth it or not is another well, question. There's no study that pro- shows that. So, you know, there's, uh, you're right. That, it's a, my sense of it. You're right. It's there's my clinical no, there's, sense. There's no study. And so all I'm right. saying is that the idea that you are robbing someone, let's, you know, very clear whether you follow tennis or not, Djokovic and Federer and Nadal are tied for uh, men's singles, mo- the most grand slams in men's singles. This is a huge um, issue. This is yeah. a huge trophy, if yeah. you will, or a huge uh, badge of honor. And the idea that he has been kicked out and not allowed to compete uh, and whether or not he'll be allowed to compete in France and the French Open, I think, is is largely in question as well. Well, because, it's why uh, it's why know, I got vaccinated. I got vaccinated to be able to move around the European continent. I wanted to <laughs> now go. Now you got to do it again. And I may have to do it again. Uh, I, I, you know what happened to me, Are Kelly? Are they going to allow You know what's interesting? I, I've, been, I've been seeing some, you know, kind of, we, we're all seeing the data on the vaccine. And I, and I started looking at it going, I don't know. I had COVID. I've had Johnson & Johnson. I had a terrible reaction to J&J. I, I probably am better off just getting Omicron. And boom, then I got it. Uh, we don't and, have it documented. And, and But it may still may not be enough for me to... You didn't get your papers, Drew. Right. I may not have my papers to move about. But I but I think that's why they need to back off on these ridiculous requirements, because the mandates no longer make sense. The mandates no longer... It's mm. one thing early on when you could have made the argument that if, in fact, these vaccines, <laughs> experimental as they are, if, in fact, they stopped people from contracting and spreading the virus then you could have made at least a compelling argument that there was a reason to mandate them. Now that we know, and the CDC, FDA, and all the vaccine manufacturers acknowledge that they don't stop you from contracting it and they don't stop you from spreading it, there simply is no rationale for a mandate to be in place. If you choose to be vaccinated, that I respect that choice always but it should be done with a very thoughtful risk-benefit analysis. Uh, and I think the idea that we are mandating these um, really defies logic. Somebody, uh, Nom Nom, writes, uh, the level of vaccine anti-SIgG at 134 days after second dose decreased to the level found in 220-day unvaccinated COVID convalescent. Just, again, making our point. Right. Um, but, right. all right, so we're, we're not going to... Uh, I don't know how to wrap this up uh, because it's, um, 
you know, we could just kind of keep spinning about Bitching this Bitching for hours, yeah. Yeah, and we've gone well over the time interval. And by the way, Jason, thank you for coming up and talking with us. Um, as always, Kelly, it, it's great to we see you. We missed you. Great to talk to you. We missed you. Hopefully, we'll still be on YouTube after all this. <laughs> we will. Um, people seem to appreciate just... If not, we're on Rumble, Twitch, well, Twitter, and Facebook. But, and but then people appreciate just, just in case our show's not on YouTube. And by the way, I'm going to bet... I'm going to bet just our conversation today, with, if anybody's vaccine hesitant, listen to this conversation and see if you don't, aren't a little more likely to go towards the vaccine if that's your, you know, if you if it's important for you to get vaccinated and you're in a risk category. Discourse, hearing all the discourse should help you make that decision for yourself. Yeah. Go ahead, Kelly. And I was going to say, I would submit to you that everything we've talked about here this isn't tinfoil hat conspiracy stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that, <laughs> oh, don't get vaccinated because there are nano chips in it and you're going to get followed by Martians no, and the government's no, no, trying no, to no. track you. <laughs> I mean, this is, like, we're, tr we're having oh, a Oh, no, you just said that. Now debate. we're going to get canceled. No, what I'm saying is, no, wait, know, Peter, we're Peter having Atiyah. a reasonable debate. Peter Atiyah would talk to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> he talked to somebody about, I forget who was talking about vaccine therapies and he got taken down. And I was like, oh my God, just, just to have conversation about oh, yeah. And we really we didn't today get into, we, really we really didn't get into the data on, you know, the, there's some data out there and it's concerning. I like looking and, back at history and, still, and calling out. The it, it's still though, if you were in a risk, if you're over 70 and you have any comorbidity, you should be getting vaccinated. <laughs> That's just, right. you should be getting your vaccine. Well, what and about, okay, I have 40, a question. You should be thinking about it very hard. Work I have a question, doctor doctors. Yes, ma'am. Doctors Drew yeah. and Kelly. Mm -hmm. I want to know if I haven't been vaccinated mm -hmm. and now that, you know, we're finding that the Delta vaccination may not work for Omicron. Should I just wait for the right. Omicron to come out? Oh, interesting question. So, Kelly, you answer first. Well, he here's my answer. And, and that's I'm glad you asked that, Susan, because I would say I have a hard time making any rational argument for somebody right now to get vaccinated. Given where we are and given that these vaccines, they have outlived their usefulness, the variants that they were predicated on no longer exist. The Wuhan strain, the Alpha strain, the Delta strains largely burned mm. out. And these vaccines Delta's do not have, around some it, it, there's some, and it, but the vaccines are very, have less than 32% well, like effectiveness against year, Delta. Right? Yes. So, yes. Right. Yes. so what I would say is, and given what we know now about therapeutics, the combination of those things, unless you are in a very, very high risk category, I personally can't make a compelling argument. I also have to add in there, Drew, as you, you kind of alluded mm. to it, the concerning number of, of adverse events that are being tied to the vaccines. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about mm -hmm. them, but they are out there. Um, and so I think the yeah. combination, the constellation of all of those things together, Susan, I would say that at this point, unless you're in a very high risk category, I personally would suggest that people hold off. Well, yeah, because you're going to have to get it let's, once let's, the new let's one not, I, I prefer we not make broad recommendations, but let's focus I, on Susan. I, I'm just, so, Susan, I would listen you, to Kelly and yeah, I, say, I I'll wait. I'd rather get it than get a shot that's not going to help me anyways. So you're, you're well, okay. And, and so. But I did. I got the booster, so. Yeah, so you're triple vaxxed. You're in your 60s. You're no risk category. Yeah. You've done well. with. You didn't you, have to tell you, everybody that. You've had. <laughs> I'm proud of that. You've, you've had, you're in you've good had, company. Had you're in good company. You've, I didn't die. Yeah, you've had you've had Omicron. So yeah. an Omicron booster doesn't really make much sense. If you hadn't had Omicron, I would even 
kind of come down with Kelly, I'd say work with your doctor, you know, obviously. Right. But but I, I but shot. I would even come down with Kelly and say, you know, Omicron is so mild. As you found out, it was mild. Right. Yeah. You know, if you if you were to get it, it's like nah, you're triple vaxxed, you're already double yeah. vaxxed or whatever. Well, if I got the you flu know. this year, I wouldn't get the flu shot next week. Like if I just had the flu, I wouldn't run exactly. out of flu shot next it, it, week. Exactly. Right. Right. And, and it's so Although mild, there is more said, there. I would argue that there, I would argue there may be more reason to do that than to rush and get a COVID vaccine because, well, because there's a whole range of flu there's out there. There's a different one. Yeah. You know, you might get a different and one. The, the last thing I will say before, before I got to run here, Drew, is that we should be celebrating mm. the things like the fact that, wow, Omicron is way more contagious but yes. great news, folks. It's really Agreed. very, very mild. That's awesome. Mild. Yes. Let's celebrate the, the fact that even though kids uh, <laughs> seem to be getting their kids do get Omicron. Great news. They aren't ending up in the hospital. They aren't ending up. Exactly. Omicron, we know, That's has no affinity for lung tissue which makes it very yep. different from the previous variants. Yep. Omicron stays in the upper airways, so you don't end right. up with the inflammation of the lungs, and you, people don't end up short of breath and you know with, with oxygen issues, and they don't end up on ventilators. Let's celebrate those things and stop the constant negative, 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 why aren't we wearing masks? Why aren't people getting vaccinated? And, and I, Let, let's move yes. with this, with this, you know, with this yes, virus as it has moved. The negativity makes me crazy. I, I love, we should be yep. celebrating things. Yeah. Now, there may be more mutations ahead. Yeah, I understand but the, that. But the but vaccine in the meantime, needs to catch up to the mutations. So let's mm -hmm. let's put the effort to make the right vaccines for everybody. We, we can't we can't predict coronavirus. But, you know, there's some countries, they're just getting their first That's vaccination. Right. Like, right. I know a guy in Sri Lanka, and they just got one so far. Mm -hmm. So, of course, send yep. all those those great vaccines over there, yes. these people that are waiting for Correct. it. Correct. And let's move on to the next. And, the and next, we're doing, uh, we should be celebrating that we've had a mild and, and there's a much yeah. more broad spread natural immunity available to us. And we have these great therapeutics. If, yeah, and if let's your doctors want to use them, we've got the monoclonal antibodies, yep. which I took and kept me out of the hospital, Paxlovid, Molipiria. We have all these things. We should be celebrating right. the fact that this thing is in hand. Yeah, uh, even if there is, yeah. even if there is a nasty variant that comes along, we have good therapeutics now. So let's yep. uh, stay positive, everybody. Yeah, and Kelly, also, also, I want to say one more mm, thing that mm. I found in common. I went to this doctor's office today, and the doctor got it. She got it, mm -hmm. and uh, she says she was sick for like three or four days, five <laughs> days, taking the COVID test every day. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Her whole family was testing positive. Yep. And then she got, she had to come back to work and then they gave her PCR and she was positive. So if you get a runny nose, you get sick, you know, you're, you're not going to know it for like three days in. Cause I took my test three days in, Drew missed the window. And the thing about this virus is it, it spreads because we don't think we have it. And you know, you can't get a runny nose without worrying about it. But you need to worry about it if you're really going to have to worry about it. I mean, you shouldn't worry about it because it wasn't it that like big the, of a deal. Uh, the uh, Oxycontin talking. No, I, so. I don't. Yeah, it might be. Because I'm not following you. But no, anyway. Here's, my, here's what I'm trying to say is that you might get it and you might spread it, but don't feel bad about it. Oh, no, you should be careful. We should be no, careful I mean, don't feel like you, you just gave but, somebody uh, herpes. Hey, Kelly, like, if you would uh, send us... Uh, Steve Kirsch wants the reference on that mask causing harm study you mentioned. I think it was a Duke oh, study. Absolutely. If you, if you could send that to us, we'd appreciate it. And I'll, and I'll send it to you. On him. the Duke study, absolutely. And if people want, yeah. I will, I will send it to you. And if, 
Also, if people want to get any of the studies that I'm talking about, earlycovidcare.org, um, the website mm. that I'm associated with, uh, we sell nothing there. We make no money. It's simply a, uh, a repository for a lot of great resources. Earlycovidcare.org nice. not only has all of the early treatment protocols, but it has hundreds and hundreds, over 400 articles, not only backing up those treatment protocols, uh, but also has many, many articles on uh, the harms of mask wearing and issues around things like social distancing, really looks at the science, looks at the studies that are out there, including that Duke University study. Earlycovidcare.org. Dot org. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Kelly. We'll talk soon, no doubt. Hey. Take care. Great to see you guys. Thanks for having me. You as well. Bye-bye. All right, man. Uh, Dr. Kelly Victory, uh, you can find her. Susan, we, we have a, you have a specific uh, Caleb where she can be tracked down to people other than that early COVID care site. At Dr. Kelly Victory okay. on Twitter. All right, yes. that's the best place. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for, uh, I, I see many hands up and I'm sorry. We're going to kind of wrap this thing up. We'll be back again tomorrow. Oh, no, day after tomorrow. Back again on Thursday. Uh, we have a really interesting kind of guest coming in on Thursday. I don't know if you remember the comedian Yakov Smirnov, but he had always, he's now a psychologist and he has some really interesting observations about big political trends and things. He actually lived in Russia for a long time under some nasty circumstances and he has some very interesting stories. I always enjoy talking to him. He'll be with us at three o'clock, uh, next, uh, on Thursday, day Thursday. after tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Caleb, for producing. Thank you, Michelle, for booking. And Susan, well done. Uh, uh, you just called me out for my uh, brain I think that, today. That was a com that was comedy. I was trying that, to get you're, a point across. You're, you're listen. You are a. Uh, if you guys want to see what a, we thought we had a runny nose, even though you had a if, hoarse voice. If for you want to see what a star is, Susan is on podcast. You can <laughs> head on over to Doctor Drew After Dark and see Susan in full bloom. <laughs> Uh, that that's where she was my guest on that podcast, I which know. is a very different kind of thing. And thank you for all of. your kind words for, you know, supporting me in it because I'm very nervous about doing that show. <laughs> yes, me too. Uh, I'm ending <laughs> the room at clubhouse. Thank you guys for having been there. We got to wrap this thing up and get your bobblehead. Drdrew.com slash shop. Uh, and, uh, thank you to all of you watching all of you at restream. I've been uh, trying diligently to keep up with you guys. You're, you're on fire there. Uh, yes, Mike, the brain fog does linger. I was able to get over the brain fog with two things. I, I had bad brain fog after uh, Alpha. I had a few days of it after Omicron, and very characteristic symptoms went away fast. With Omicron, though, I took fluvoxamine. It helped resolve it. And I started working really hard on languages because I had a sense that working my brain would help decrease the fog. It did. So using your brain, and if you remember, we had the olfactory, the scent lady, S-C-E-N-T, who was telling us that she had olfactory workarounds to bring people's sense of smell back as well. So these things uh, do recover, but it seems like your brain has to kind of, in, you have to help it with its plasticity to get the fog uh, to fully lift. Attack helicopter, thanks for the super chat. Thank you to all of you. And Canadian we, dollars. And we will see Is that you. more than American? Touch my camera through the fence. Sorry, That's daddy. A, it's a fed <laughs> smoker reference. I now know what so. that means, so... We will see you all on Thursday at 3 and um, other pods at drdrew.com if you want to find other things. And I appreciate all the good comments out here. Well done. See you guys Thursday. Bye. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. 
I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 